Come and grab your seats. Everybody got a lollipop who wanted one? Yeah, good. Give me a wave if you got a sweetie. Oh, look at you all. Sugar junkies. Go on, you can go and grab one if you haven't got one. Go and grab one. Um, great to see you all. I hope you're doing well. Um, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be uh, speaking. We, all through the summer, really, we've been... Uh, we've had free subjects for those who are speaking. We've just encouraged people to bring what's on their heart. Uh, before I get into that, I just want to quickly say, uh, Zoe does an incredible job um, of the youth and the children's work. Um, I'm getting a ring here. It's coming. It's getting a ring here. I can go down a bit. That's all right. Um, Zoe does an incredible job of um, of the youth and children's work, doesn't she? Can we just say thank you to her? You, you know what, um, they've had a really big year. They've moved both Zoe and Devin. They both work incredibly hard uh, to create a good community for the youth and the children here. Um, and they've had a big year. They've moved all the way from right far down south, further south you can go in the country. They've got married. Uh, they've, they've moved. They've left all of their uh, family and friends, all their church down south to come here and be part of this church. They've had a huge year, um, and they're still here, by the way. And they're still doing amazing. They've really got stuck in, and I'm really proud of the work that they're doing. Um, Baba, can we just take that down a bit? Is that all right? I've got a good ring there. Thank you. Um, and let me just say, the fact that she's up here asking for help tells you she needs help, because it's not because of lack of work. So can I just encourage each and every one of you, if you can help in any way, shape, or form, even if it's just once a term, I can come and be with the kids, or once uh, every other week, I can come and lead one of the kids' classes. Please do it. Please help her, because we don't want to burn her out and lose her. Um, so we need to help the best we can. Okay, Amen. Yes. Amen. Okay. So if you can do that, please do that. Um, uh, but yeah. Okay. So this morning, um, we want to. Uh, we're going to talk about the subject hidden in Jesus, and it's a little bit of a. Um, a funny title, I know, but I'm going to get into it. Um, and like I said, it's just bringing what's on your heart. And this week, to be honest with you, it's been a tough week. It's been, we've had a few things going on. Uh, Doug, uh, as you know, Doug and Rachel, Doug was uh, diagnosed with bladder cancer this week. So was with them on Monday, Tuesday, Joe had a couple of seizures, which were incredibly bad. Um, Hannah got a beast thing on Wednesday. Man, like I've had, a, I've had 10 rounds of Mike Tyson this week. That's what it feels like. But you know what? God is good. And this morning, just to praise and worship him and just thank him that the battle is won. You know, life is hard, but God is good, isn't he? And I think just this morning, just bringing what God's been speaking to me in the week, it's been such a blessing for me and refreshing for me that I wanted to bring it to you too. And hopefully, I feel God's got a couple of things to say to all of us this morning. So, Look, I'm going to pray for my benefit, um, and then we're going to get into it. We're going to be reading from Genesis 27, 1 to 29, a really well-known passage of Jacob and Esau. Um, you may have read it before. If you haven't, don't worry. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 27, 1 to 29 um, on your smart devices, whatever you want. Um, I'm just going to pray real quick. Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you, Lord that your hand is over your church and you promise to build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. 
Jesus, we declare your victory this morning. We declare, Lord, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I thank you, Father, that you are building your church here, that you are being glorified by your people. And Lord, I pray as we go through this morning, as we open up this passage together, Lord, that you would speak into our hearts and you transform us by the end of this uh, by the end of this talk, by the end of our response to you, Lord, that we would look more like Jesus than we do right now. And it's all through your power, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay, Genesis 27, 1 to 29. Really well-known story. Jacob um, is going to uh, trick his father, basically, is what's going to happen with his help of his mother. So Genesis 27, 1 to 29. It's not coming on the screen this week. Sorry, we, we ran out of time. But it says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said to him, I'm now old and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and your bow and go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his his son Esau. When Esau left to the open country, to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare uh, me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock, bring two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father and eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. It's top of the agenda here. Um, While I have smooth skin, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and I would bring a curse down on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them, go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food. I love the way that it keeps saying tasty food. Not like, not food, tasty food. Some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, the, her older son, which she had, she had in the house and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skin, goat skins. Then she handed her son, Jacob, the tasty food not food, tasty food, and bread she made. He went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat of my game so that I may give you my, that you may give me your blessing. Isaac said to his son, how did you find it so quickly? My son, the Lord, your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near me so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So he did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. Hairy hands. Um, So he proceeded to bless him. You really are my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat. 
so that I may have may give you my blessing. Jacob brought him and he ate. He brought some wine and he drank. And he said to his father Isaac, his father Isaac said to him, sorry, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is this, like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. Long story, I know. I felt it was important we read through the whole account. And uh, if you want to read on, I'd encourage you to do so because Esau is going to come back and it becomes like an episode of EastEnders. So it's really good. And Genesis is packed full, by the way, of family drama. Anybody got drama in their families in here? Yeah, you can all relate, right? Like there's family drama goes on all the time. Uh, some mothers swiping hands there, I can see. <laughs> um, but you know, th- there's, there's family drama all the way through the book of Genesis. And this story, story of Jacob, who is the younger brother, he, they're twin brothers, and Esau and Jacob, ever since their birth, the Bible describes since their birth, they've been locked in conflict. It actually says that there's this conflict in the womb as, as, uh, as Rebecca's giving birth, as if it's not hard enough, it describes Jacob, the younger brother who's going to be born second, holding on to the heels <laughs> of Esau, not letting him go. Can you imagine that as a mother? Um, and, um, and Jacob, the name Jacob actually means heel grabber. So if you call Jacob, your name is, means heel grabber. He grabs onto the heels of his brother because he wants to be born first. He wants the birthright of being the firstborn. And uh, just as we read, this mother and son, they plot in order to get uh, Isaac, the father, to bless not, not Esau, but Jacob. Um, there's this famous story that I read about this week. It's about a medieval, uh, med- medieval India. Um, and there's a, a farmer by the name of Ali Hafid. And he has a beautiful wife and he has several happy children and he has the most incredible farm. He's really happy and and does well. But one day, something happens that would change his life forever. A visitor stops by the farm with a diamond in his hand. And one of the most valuable jewels and and, um, which the, the Mughals would pay almost any price and offered limitless wealth. And this visitor shows it to him. And as a result, Ali Hafid uh, was absolutely transfixed on this diamond. He sold his farm and he left his family and he spent the rest of his life and his fortune going diamond hunting all throughout India. Uh, And he died a broken man, having never found what he was looking for, never found one diamond. Can you believe that? Shortly after his death, the same traveler who originally found the diamond, he returned to that farm and the new owners are there. And there on the, on the mantelpiece of the farm in, in the house, there was a diamond on the mantelpiece. And the traveler says, I see Ali managed to find a diamond in the end. And the new owner said, oh no, that's just a pretty rock that I found down by the river when I was, took the sheep down there. And he said, can you show me the river? And they go down to the river on this farm 
And there, that afternoon, according to the Indian story, the traveler and the farmer dug around the riverbed and they found more diamonds on that day than there were ever found in the previous history on that subcontinent, in that one day. Ali spent his whole life wandering after diamonds and all along he'd been farming and owned what is now called the Golconda diamond fields in India. He had been striving for treasure when it had literally been in his possession the whole time. It had been at his feet. Diamonds were at his feet. And it's much like the story of Jacob and his mother in this situation. They were striving for something that God had already promised them, that God had already promised and put diamonds at their feet. Now, just to make something clear here, there's this whole element of deception that makes us feel uncomfortable about this story, right, that we're not going to get into. The Bible never specifically condemns Jacob in this, uh, in this instance. In fact, um, it kind of promotes what he's done here because Jacob sees it as such a great thing that, that the blessing of his father, the blessing of God on his life, whereas Esau seems to not really be interested in it. He just can't. And actually a couple of chapters before, he's willing to sell his birthright for a pot of stew, right? So whereas Jacob has this really, he's transfixed on the blessing of God in his life. Esau, he's not too bothered. And, in, and we join the story where both Rebecca and Jacob have plotted this way to have Jacob blessed instead of Esau, that Esau is the son that Jacob loves. Uh, sorry, that, that Isaac loves. But the farmer, like the farmer, Jacob and Rebekah should have known that the diamonds were already at the feet. Their treasure had already been promised to them by God. In Genesis 25, uh, 25 to 20, verse 23, the Lord says to Rebekah, he speaks directly to her and he says, two nations are in your womb. He's talking about Jacob and, um, Jacob and Esau. And two peoples from within you shall, will be separated. One will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. God has already promised. He's already placed diamonds at their feet and said, hey, I, I have promised you that this is going to happen. And God has already made that promise to both of them that it would be Jacob, not Esau, that would carry that inheritance from God. Right from Abraham, God promises this great nation, doesn't he? A great nation. And, and yet, he says, it's not going to be through Esau that I'm going to carry on that promise, but through, through Jacob. God has spoken, spoken to them, and instead of just realizing that God has put diamonds at their feet, they're out digging for treasure. And I just want to stop there for a second because I felt like this is the first thing God wanted to say to us this morning as a church. I felt God has spoken something to you, a promise. And it might be the promise that, you know, maybe your spouse isn't yet a believer. Maybe your wife or your husband is not yet a follower of Jesus. And that is causing you such great pain. But, you know, God has spoken to you. Hey, I promise you, I will bring them to me. I will bring them to me. And you've been, man, God, it's been decades. It's been years. And you read the Bible accounts and you see that there are people who wait for not, not, not years, decades, generations for God's promises to be fulfilled. And there's some people in the room, I just felt, I just need to just stop this morning and say, hey, there's some of you in the room this morning that have promises from God. It might be that God's promised you that he will bring you a husband or he will bring you a wife. And you can say, God, like you promised that to me years ago. 
You spoke to me. You brought prophetic words and then backed it up with another one and spoke to my heart and you backed it up with your words. And I'm still waiting, Lord. And I just felt God wants to say to you this morning, look, I, I am a God who is faithful. Don't be out digging for diamonds when I'm placing them at your feet. Allow me to work in your life. It might be that you've got a kid who's estranged from you and, and you're thinking, Lord, bring them back into my life. And you don't know when, when they'll ever come back to you. And I just feel God wants to say to you this morning and remind you, hey, I made that promise to you and I remember my promises. And I am faithful to fulfill those promises in your life. It's the first thing I wanted to say. Now, let me just be really clear here because th there's a difference between doing things in our own strength in our own timing. There's a difference between that and being proactive, right? Like you can't sit there and say, hey, God promised me a job, right? And I don't know why I haven't got one, but actually you're just sat on your sofa all day watching Antiques Roadshow, right? <laughs> like get off the couch, stop watching BBC iPlayer and go and apply for some jobs, right? Like there's a difference between being proactive and actually forcing things through in your own strength, being deceptive, going about things the wrong way. Actually, it's a question of where is your faith? Is it in him or is it in yourself? If God has made a promise to you, I feel like afresh this morning, we're supposed to say, Lord, you've spoken, so I'm going to submit to you and your timing and your will and your methods, even when I don't understand, and I'm going to trust you that you will fulfill your promises in my life. Paul says in Romans 8, he who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with, with him graciously give us all things? It tells us that we need to be a people who patiently wait on the Lord. And I just felt this morning that was really for somebody. Right now, God has promised you something and he will fulfill it. Put your faith, your eyes, your attention on him. But what I felt specifically God wanted to pull out of this story this morning was this image that this story gives us of Jesus. Um, you see, Esau was the son that the father loved. Esau was truly the son, it tells us, was truly the son who he could look at and say, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. That was Esau, not Jacob. And Jacob disguises himself as Esau. And, and in the hair, in the clothes, and, and, and the one, he disguised himself as the one who the father loved. And when Jacob did that, Jacob received the blessing that was meant for somebody else. He received the blessing that was meant for the son whom the father loved. And this is such a powerful picture of the gospel message. This is such a powerful picture of what you and I believe, what it means for you and for me, and, and what God invites you to do through his son, Jesus. When, when, when you accept the gospel message, you look, you smell, you feel like the son that the father loves. Colossians 3, 3, it says, For you died... When you become to Jesus, you die, and your life is now hidden in Christ, in God. You become Jesus, wrapped up in Jesus. Your life is hidden, and your life, and your life is now consumed by Jesus. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. Your approach, as you approach your heavenly Father, let me be really clear. As you come this morning, as you approach your heavenly Father, you are hidden in Christ. You are hidden in the Son that he loves. You look like him. You you are clean, you are righteous, you are accepted, you are holy because of everything, because of the son that he loves. Because of him, the Bible tells us 75 times in the New Testament that you are in Christ. You are in Christ, you are wrapped up in him. And I felt God wanted to say this to us this morning. Let me be really real for a second. I, I love it when God brings, <laughs> puts on the heart of somebody else before I get up to speak. That's exactly what's just happened this morning. Ginny got up here and said, there's people here who don't feel like they belong here. There's people here who feel out of place. It's exactly what God put on my heart this morning. There's people in this room that feel like Jacob in this story. You feel like any moment, God's going to catch you out. You feel like, I'm a fraud. I'm a phony. God's going to catch me. I don't belong here. I'm not a real Christian. That guy looks like a real Christian. That girl looks like a real Christian, but I know I'm not. Let me just be really clear here. Ephesians 1. 3 to 8 says, Praise be to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose you. He chose you before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Nothing wrong with God's eyes. <laughs> Isaac's might have been feeling him. There's nothing wrong with his eyes. He sees you. He sees everything. He predestined us for adoption, to be a daughter, to be a son. Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and his will, he takes pleasure in adopting you. You, look, you really need to hear this. He is pleased with you. He sees you. You're not a fraud, you're not a phony, you're not wrapped up in some skin and hoping he, you know, don't touch my neck there, I haven't got any goat skin there. <laughs> I don't look like a Christian yet, just go easy on me. He sees you and he delights in you. In accordance with his pleasure and will, verse 6, to, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. We're in the one that he loves in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You are forgiven in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. He lavishes his love and his grace and his forgiveness on you. And it's all through his son because you're in Christ. He's not just hoping, we're not hoping that God doesn't notice us or see something that he doesn't like in us. He just loves you. And he wants to lavish you with his grace and with his mercy and he's wrapped you up in the son whom he loves. God delights in pouring out his grace on you to hide you in the son that he loves. 
He delights in you. So this is the truth. We know the truth, right? That is the truth. Because of what Jesus has done, we have become God's beloved. Say, I am God's beloved. You know, I'm always going to get you to say it a second time with meaning, right? So say it with me. I am God's beloved. Yeah, you can say it time and time again. And it's because I'm wrapped up in the son that he loves. He looks at me, he smells me, he sees me, and he sees me as clean and righteous and holy. I smell good to him. How is that possible? Like, I stink. I know I stink. But in Jesus, man, I smell great. I smell like the son he loves. Man, that picture where, where he says to, says to Jacob, Isaac says to Jacob, come here so I can just give you a kiss. And he kisses him on the cheek and he smells. That's the son I love. Look at me. He, he, he looks at you. He, he comes close to you and he smells you and says, oh, man, I love you. Have you ever smelled a newborn baby's head? Man, oh man. They, they should bottle that stuff, right? Like just, just fills you with joy. Let me tell you, God smells you and it fills his eyes with water. He's just overjoyed by you. He loves you. And how do I know he loves you? Because the Bible tells me so. And he would give anything to be close to you, to, to know you, to be in relationship with you, even his only son whom he loves. So that's the truth. We know the truth. But the reality is, you, you can hear that and hear that and hear that, but we face a fight, don't we? And we fight not against flesh and blood, right? But we fight against an enemy. And his name is Satan. The name Satan means the accuser. The accuser. Anybody ever felt accused by the enemy? You're all going to say yes in a minute. But you, you, you are accused by him time and time again. And the reality is there's a battle going on for your soul right now. There's a battle that you, you tell yourself, hey, I, I, I think I'm a Christian. I think I believe. I think I know who I am in Christ. But then there's this battle that goes on in your heart that you're a fraud, that you're a phony. And, and you don't really belong here. Like Ginny was saying this morning, you don't really fit in here. The enemy that we face will come at us and he'll accuse us. So here's the thing. You feel like Jacob all the time. Like, like I feel uncomfortable with this goat skin on, right? But the reality is, is where you belong. Terry, Terry, Terry Virgo describes this really well. He says that as believers, we know the truth and our standing with God. But when it comes to moments in our lives like prayer, fasting or reading the Bible, the enemy, the enemy will constantly tell you that you're not good enough. So here's the thing, this is how it works, for example, you, you come on a Sunday morning, you hear a really good sermon, probably me, about prayer, it's a joke, um, probably about prayer, right, you hear about the power of prayer, and you, oh man, the preacher was good yesterday, I feel fired up, you know what, I'm going to change my prayer life, you watch me, I'm a new man, and you go home, <clears throat> and you think, right, <clears throat> that's it, every day, I'm going to wake up early. Anybody done this? I'm going to pray. I'm going to, man, I believe in the power of prayer. Do you believe in the power of prayer? Hallelujah. I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray every morning for an hour, half an hour, half, 15 minutes before I get in the shower, I'm going to pray. And you set the alarm 15 minutes before you normally get up 
6.45, I'm getting up and I'm going to pray for 15 minutes. Man, I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray powerfully. You get up at 6.50 because you snoozed. And you start to pray and you say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for my wife. I thank you, Lord, for all she does. I thank you that she's taking the kids to school today. And, oh man, school forms. Did we do those trip? Do you know the school trip? Did we do the forms? Oh no, I wonder if I can email it. How did I do the electronic signature last time? Did I send a PDF? Do you take PDFs anymore at school? And then you, oh yeah, prayer, prayer. Right, okay, yeah, so powerful prayer. Right, okay, Lord bless my church. This Sunday, next Sunday, I'm on tea and coffee. Lord, would you, breast, would you be the best coffee ever made? Because I'm on tea and coffee. Oh, that woman's on with me. Oh, no, that woman's on tea and coffee with me. I wonder if I can change my place on the road. I don't want to be with that woman anymore. She's just my head in. Oh, yeah, prayer. Okay, prayer. And just in that moment, Satan comes beside you, doesn't he? How's your prayer life doing? Man, you know the proper Christians, they actually pray, don't you? You know, like they actually do pray. You know, like they're not distracted. You know that actually real Christians, they read the Bible every day. You don't read your Bible. You don't know the word of God. How can you know the word of God if you don't read it? When was the last time you fasted? Oh man, I'm such a phony. I'm like Jacob dressed up in Esau's clothes. Let me tell you, you can say, get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Because I am in Christ. I smell good to God. I am the son whom he loves. I am the daughter whom he loves because I am in Christ. And the devil is a liar and he will lie and lie and lie to you. And I felt so strongly this morning that I was supposed to just bring this simple word that you are in Christ. You are hidden in him. And you don't need to feel like a phony because the Father delights in placing you in the Son whom he loves. He delights in it. Romans 8 verse 1, we've been singing this at home. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation that the enemy can bring to you because you are in Christ you belong here. And yes, of course, we can all do better, reading our Bible, praying. But it comes from the standing that I am made righteous and clean. I do not disappoint. I do not need to impress. I simply am in Christ. If you're not in Jesus this morning, if you've never made that commitment, let me tell you, it's the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. I am in Christ. And I just felt this morning like we needed to respond to that. I'm going to invite Paul to come back up. And I'm going to invite John to lead us in response in a moment. I want to pray with you real quick. Why don't you just stand up for me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the son whom the father loved that you were perfect in every way, that you were God incarnate. You, God came down to be among us in the form of your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you that through you, 
we can receive forgiveness of our sins. And we can be given a completely new life. I thank you, Jesus, that you take pleasure in placing us in your son. And Lord, I feel really strongly right now, me personally, that I need to hear this, but Lord, I feel there's so many people in the room right now. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us, I pray. You feel like Jacob wrapped in Esau's clothes. You feel like a fraud, like a phony. And I feel like you need to come face to face with the grace of God this morning. You need to be reminded of his love for you. You need to be reminded that his eyes are perfectly clear. He sees you. He knows you. And yet he loves you. You feel frightened and afraid. But there's no need because God is here. His grace is abundant. And he loves to lavish you with his, with his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. we're weak we so need you Holy Spirit come